Hi, ladies. My name is Vusisi Oshachayo. I am a career coach and founder of Black Women in the Workplace, a career and executive coach. So um, today's presentation is about Black women's mental health. We're still on the theme of Black women's mental health, and we are talking about the strong Black woman. We're actually going to go through the other archetypes, but we are going to focus on the strong Black woman um, archetype and how they embody stress and how, um, yeah, how stress shows up in their lives or in our lives as Black women. Um, before I start, how cute are my slides today? I think my slides are so cute. And I want to uh, credit Slides Go. The name of the slide deck is Black Women, Black Lives Matter. So if you wanna, if you want something similar, check Slides Go. It has a lot of nice free slides that you can use for your presentations. Check that out and go and um, yeah. And, and, and do the things that um, allows for you to position yourself and present yourself differently in the workplace. So um, I'm going to talk about, as I said, uh, Black women's mental health and the strong Black woman. And um, I'm basing this talk, really just really not even basing this talk. I'm just using the presentation, um, the, the, the article that is written by Shaniqua Walker-Banz. I hope I'm saying it correctly. The article is in the book, Black Women's Mental Health, that I think you should get if you want. It's a number of articles written by different people. And this one is written by Shaniqua Walker-Banz. And um, the name of the of the topic of the of the article or of the chapter is when the ball breaks. The strong black woman and the embodiment of stress. I really um, would recommend that you check out that book if you can. Anyway, I'm just gonna talk to the 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 article um, almost as it is because I really think that she articulated the issues very well, and I really think that you will get more value if I if if I allow the article to speak for itself. So we are going to go through those contents um, and I will explain them further as I go along. The reason why I decided to speak on this topic is that we're still on the issue of black of, of black women's mental health and um, in South Africa currently uh, it's a very stressful time. Besides the impact of COVID-19, um, there's been a lot of deaths around that uh, uh, as a result of COVID-19. There has been another wave, a very big wave, where we are getting about 20,000 a month, um, 20,000 a day uh, people who are being um, diagnosed with COVID-19 and we've been having a lot of deaths. So it's a very stressful time. Politically and socioeconomically, it has been as well. There has been a lot of protest and a lot of looting, um, especially in the black communities. And um, South Africa, as you might know, as you might know, if you're not South African, that we come from um, a very long history of racial discrimination and the socioeconomic factors that come from that are that there's a very high level of inequality. And I really think, and, and, and as Black women, as pillars of our 
families, we usually bear the brunt of that stress. So it's a very stressful time and um, people are struggling. We're still dealing with the uncertainty of um, living in the pandemic, the loss of jobs and really redefining how we work and um, while and losing a lot of loved ones. Um, and, and on top of that, we are having these protests that flare up from time to time. And I believe that they'll continue until the issues of social economic, social economic inequalities are resolved. So hence, I wanted to speak about this, this subject and I hope that it helps and encourages you. And um, I believe that one of the things that we sh that that makes our situations even harder is when we think we're alone and when we internalize issues and think it's ourselves. Um, but when we start realizing that it's not us, when we learn about um, the fact that other people go through what we go through, as we find language for what we're struggling with, um, it becomes easier. So the 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 strong so we're going to talk about the strong black woman why how did it come about um so because because um so black women had been um defined stereotype in certain ways and um and black women as a way to redefine themselves and re-identify themselves, they came up with this concept of um, the strong black woman. So it is said that during the racial uplift movement of the 19th century, black women decided to, to redeem themselves and redefine themselves. So the typical stereotypical um, presentation of black women were the Jezebel, so black women as a sex object, um, very sexualized human being. And someone was, uh, I don't know, I don't remember what I was reading what they're talking about in Africa, because um, when the white people and the colonizers came to, to Africa and they saw how we dressed as Africans, where our breasts were outside, you know, we were not, would not hide our body or physique and they just assumed that we were so sexual. I mean, it's not just black women who are seen as sexual, even black men are seen as mandingos um, with the myth that they are, they are more endowed than any other, um, more physically endowed than any other, um, uh, and in any other um, race of men. Um, so black women, it was the same. A lot of sexual um, molestation, sexual violence were meted against black women. And as a way of um, excusing that behavior, black women were, socialized, were, were sexualized and were presented as Jezebels, as, 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 as women who were just very sexual. And so it was not a big deal if you rape them there actually very sexual. So that was one of the uh, archetype, the Jezebel. And it's very interesting that um, in the Bible, there is nowhere where Jezebel is sexual, um, which is where the name comes from. But there's nowhere where the Jezebel is sexual. There is nowhere where Jezebel is actually even 
uses her sexual powers to manipulate. She's 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 a married woman who's a princess who um who who was just uh, taking care of her husband and her wealth. A very powerful woman, and uh, there's a nice um, explanation. Really working through that archetype of Jezebel that is in the book Jezebel Unhinged. I forgot the author. Really sorry that I forgot the author. I think I think she did very a very good job on on the myth of the Jezebel. And then there's the mummy, the mummy archetype, I hope I'm saying it uh, correctly, but the mummy archetype was an archetype that was presented by um, also colonizers. So the whole idea that, that black women love working for white people, they love it. Uh, it's a way of them serving. They enjoy it. They enjoy leaving their children and coming and taking care of uh, white people's families. And they're even it, not just to their children, but even to extend to the extension of their families. So that is the mummy archetype. The whole idea that women, uh, black women, love serving. And um, it's, they are very happy as they do this work for their white employers. That's where the Aunt Jemima's, I think, um, products, the whole thing uh, is around that. And apparently there's a whole, um, as well, restaurant of, um, in America, not sure where, in the US, that um, shows, um, Melissa Harris Perry talks about it, where, it's a whole, the whole restaurant is mummy skit and people are eating under mummy skit, but anyway. And then the last one is the Sapphire. So the Sapphire is the angry, basically the angry black woman, you know, hand signs. I mean, you've seen, you might've seen it a lot on TV. Um, it's this, I think in Madea, um, it's shown by the baby mama. The, I think it's Madea, yeah, no? the first movie. If I'm not mistaken, but the 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 the, the baby mama was always screaming and always loud. So the angry uh, black woman who's always hands on um, on their cheeks and waving their fingers and you know. Um, and there was a time when um, what's her name? Uh, Michelle Obama was called uh, the the baby, uh, um, Obama's baby mama. So that goes back to that Sapphire archetype. So black women is sassy and angry and loud and all over the place. So the result then was that black women wanted to define themselves. And it came up through, through civic and church-based women's club activities uh, and literature and convention where they crafted their own um, definition of who they are. And uh, this is defined, was first spoken about by Michelle Wallace, this strong black woman. Uh, she described it as superwoman. She's described this woman, this black woman as superwoman, which is a woman of inordinate strength with an ability for tolerating an unusual amount of misery and heavy distaste, distasteful work. This woman does not have the same fears, weaknesses, and insecurities as other women, but believes herself to be and is, in fact, stronger emotionally than most men. 
So that was the definition that uh, we are tired of being called all these things. Actually, we are very strong, strong emotionally, we are stronger than most men. And we have strength and we, we work hard and that's how we want to define ourselves. And it is shown in, in some of these, um, in culturally, in the media is shown um, in, 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 in series like the Scandal and Olivia Pope in Scandal, Annalise Keating in How to Get Away with Murder, um, which shows these characters. So when you think about it, when you define this type of woman, it's strong. When you think about it, it has become um, a typical black woman. So when you define a black woman, the first word you think about is strong, you know. So however, the paradox is that although we use this term to find our own definition, self-definition of ourselves, but it has actually be, has become a prison for us. It has it, it has become a way of oppress, uh, oppressing ourselves because now we have to be strong all the time and there are a wide range of mental and physical health problems that comes with that because, um, because we have to appear and we have to show ourselves as aligning to this archetype we often hide our vulnerabilities and hide struggles that we, we are struggling with, which I'm going to talk further about. So there are three characteristics of this definition of the strong black woman. Um, the first one is emotional strength and regulation, which I'm going to discuss, caregiving and independence. So emotional strength and regulation talks about how we are supposed to be, as a strong black woman, this woman is capable of enduring life struggles without any sign that she's under duress. So she's expected to go through all these things, but not show that she is struggling. So she's not supposed to be um, emotions that are around vulnerability, like crying, like um, tiredness is, should not be part of this um, archetype. So, so, so what happens then is that we regulate our emotions, we hide our, our exhaustion, we hide, you're not allowed to cry in, in public, you suppress all these emotions. And um, the interesting thing that Shinuka says there is that this really results in a, in a dam in a dam of suppressed emotions. And any break in this dam might unleash the flood of, of emotionality behind it. So the strong black woman is always careful about restraining their emotional and emotional displays and, and carefully restraining and constraining all, all emotions, even positive emotions. The second characteristic is that of a caregiver. So the strong black woman is a perpetual caregiver who prizes herself upon being helpful, responsible, and dependable. So the strong black woman know, is known for being helpful, for being dependable, and she prides herself. So she sees herself through others and she, she sees it as success when she is dependable, when she's responsible, when she's helping. 
And it is said here that caregiving is not limited to those within a native family, but to others, friends, employers, and civic, civic organizations, and even churches. And um, uh, if you search, in, if you if you observe in the black communities, most of the people that work very hard in the churches are really women. So she's often the default go-to person when others need um, uh, any help. She, she usually takes on too many responsibilities and seems to be incapable of saying no to others. And she would often feel selfish when she's un unable to meet other people's needs or chooses to do something for herself. And I've seen this in my coaching clients where you find that a person struggles to do anything for themselves. They can't they can't buy a meal for themselves. They can't even buy. They can't buy clothes for themselves. They they think about others first, or they think about others all the time before they take care. They take care of themselves. And a very important point here that is made um, in this around caregiving is that although black women often enjoy a, an extended community because of our kinship as a people, um, instead of that acting as a uh, support system, it usually even drains on her resources because now she has more people that she has to help. There's more people that she has to prove that she's helpful to. So that ends up even being even more stressful than helpful to the extended community that she has. And the other issue is what I've raised as well, the fact that because a lot of Black people are struggling under socioeconomic conditions where they are usually in the poverty side because of, of, of history of inequalities, those are usually um, um, sitting at the... Uh, it results in the responsibilities for Black women who is... for this strong Black woman who's helping the whole family or everybody who needs help around her, basically. Then the last um, um, characteristic of this strong Black woman, according to Shinukwa, uh, according to this article, is independence. So the independence is shown by financial self-sufficiency, a strong work ethic, and social-emotional autonomy. So financial self-sufficiency is that this, this strong black woman is usually responsible for her own finances and um, is not helped, usually not helped by anyone and sometimes even by her spouse. I remember there's this lady um, on social media who is working with helping people get out of financial problems. And she was saying that um, based on the work that she's done, she believes that 70 to 80% of South African households are being taken care of by the wife financially. So it's a big strain financially of, uh, obviously that was from her observation, but um, also because of the challenges with black women, black men, the challenges that black men have faced and, um, and issues around, um, the the upliftment of black women you find that a lot of black women are in powerful positions where they have uh, more finances or because of the of the requirements to be strong to be to be helpful you find that they are more financially uh, stronger than their husbands and you find that they are responsible for just not just for their husbands but for their extended families and people who are struggling people with church etc so 
financial self-sufficiency, a strong work ethic. So the strong black woman is known for being a hard worker, who's responsible, and is likely to be a perfectionist. And I've spoken a lot about perfectionist, uh, perfectionist tendencies in my in my videos. But and another thing, a very another interesting thing is that the work ethic is not limited to just the employer. It's in the community, it's in the home, it's in the standard family, it's in the church. Again, um, this dependable, dependable, hardworking black woman, a strong black woman. The final one is social autonomy and independence. So I don't ask for help as a strong black woman. I take care of myself um, emotionally. I suppress, I don't, not relying on anyone. So you're always the go-to person, but uh, you don't have support systems. You're always fine, you're always okay. And also it's the struggle to ask for help and the struggle to take help when it's offered. Um, this feeling of, I, I can't take over. I don't want to be a problem. I don't want to take, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah, so not taking help even when it's offered. So then we talk to the stress response model. So the stress, how do they respond to these stresses? The first one is socialization, internalization. Sorry about the um, typo there. Stress overload, stress embodiment, and stress breakdown. So what is so socialization and internalization? So this talks to how Black women are raised from from, from childhood, black females are, are told and and it has it, it, it is also modeled for them that um, the, the, the black woman is strong. They learn from their mothers and adult female relatives that overt displays of sadness and variability are forbidden, that grown women do not depend upon anyone else and that crying is for white girls. So the, this whole thing of you never, you, you as, a, as a young black woman growing up, you see adults in your families, black women, adults in your families who are strong or never crying, who are always working, who are always pushing, who are the pillars of the community. It is modeled to you and you are also um, told that there's no time for crying, there's no time for being a CC. Um, it's, it's, you have to be strong. You, you, you have to grow up very quickly. And um, the interesting thing is that it seems as if that um, uh, she makes this very important point that a strong black woman seems to be the ideal by which black good black womanhood is judged. So society necess necessitates or even demands that black women conform to this model of womanhood. So it's almost like the society expects you as a good black woman to be strong. Um, so then what, what happens is that black women don't show their authentic personality or they internalize situations when they're struggling. I'm not a good woman if I break down. I'm not a good black woman if I'm not helping everybody, if I'm not available for everybody, if I don't, um, when I'm not displaying and demonstrating these um, characteristics, then I'm not a good black woman. Um, so what happens then is that then there's stress overload. So the next thing that happens is that then there is stress overload. So stress overload is associated with um, it, it, 
it it expresses itself physically headaches stomach aches it's your stomach aches sleep and eating disturbances and dis, and depression um so the in so so it is said that because of these demands i mean if you have to be there for everybody you find that there's no time then to establish and maintain healthy lifestyle habits of nutrition exercise and sleep because you're busy helping everybody there is no time for yourself and then so what happens is that there is a tendency to overutilize compensatory strategies that provide an immediate sense of relief so instead of taking care of one's health um the strong black woman uses compensatory strategies and most of the time it's eating strategies um eating practices in particular have been identified as an embodiment form of protest among women it is estimated that anywhere from 8 to 84 percent of black women have problems with binge eating so if i met because there's no time to take care of yourself and you can't show display um, self-care because that looks um, that looks selfish you find that things like food is usually the go-to coping strategies but there are other compensatory strategies which include compuls compulsive shopping and even shopping for food yeah um, excessive focus on physical appearance behaviors um, so excessive focus on, on physical appearance and other behaviors, some, some women with alcohol, um, that not, these behaviors just provide temporary emotional relief, but um, they also are a form of impression, impression management. So these help me look like I'm, I'm under control. I'm okay, you know, as a strong black woman. Then the third one is stress embodiment. Um, so Nancy Kruger, 2005, explains the concept of embodiments, and he re she reveals two essential claims about the relationship between the strong Black woman and the health status of Black women. So, so this shows up in the stress. Black women's bodies tell stories about the social and structural conditions of their existence, and their bodies ca cannot be studied apart from these conditions. So often, because the stress has been overloaded, it's embodied in our body. It is showed in our in the challenges that we have, whether it's obesity, whether it's health challenges like depression, um, um, hypertension etc and it says that black women's bodies also tell stories that they may be incapable of telling and there's also um what also comes out from this is that sometimes the the only time black woman is the strong black woman is felt sorry for is when they're sick so actually their sickness becomes then the language that they're able to tell that they're struggling um, and it says that without the support and language to express the trauma within, strong black women's discrepant feelings become embodied as stresses, but rarely gain the status of such, given the racialized framing of eating problems with depression as white women's illnesses. So it's also this whole uh, stereotyping that black women don't have eating disorders, it's white women's issues, or black women don't have, black people don't have depression. This is a white people's disease, first world country problems. So you find that then the body is the only time, the, the body's sickness, the body's breaking down is a way 
of speaking the language. Um, and also they're saying that the repression and the denial, the repression of uh, feelings of not being able to take all this uh, results in um, black women always saying they're okay. So their stated accounts of well-being differs from what they, they feel and the stories their bodies tell. And and not to um, you know not to stereotype a lot of us black women struggle with weight issues um, and there is a lot of unspoken um, issues around depression and because also we we're not the, the the issue of therapy and seeking help is not a thing in our communities we believe in praying or uh, the ancestral issues which you must take care of so there is not that um, acknowledgement and acceptance of needing help and then the last one is breakdown so be, obviously if you continue going through this you end up breaking down and um, she explains it as a sudden dramatic periods of retreat from their responsibilities. So you find that for, for all of a sudden, this woman doesn't want to do anything. Um, they retreat from their responsibilities to others. Breakdowns can take the form of leaving home for hours or, or days, staying in bed, committing suicide, or just dying in one sleep. So um, you find that this breakdown shows itself in this way. And because um, strength is considered the home, hallmark of authenticity, when this, when the black, strong black woman goes through this, they, um, they interpret it as a sign of, of insufficiency. So if all of a sudden I can't take care of everybody, or if all of a sudden I can't do anything, I still feel that I'm not, I'm weak, I'm not strong. So it, it is interpreted as insufficiency, self-insufficiency. And then what, what then happens is that you double down, doubling down, pushing yourself to continue to go back to working hard. And this is also this perception of failure is accompanied by shame, guilt, low self-esteem, and even depression. So I'm failing at my duties as a woman. My, my parents, my mother went through the same, but never struggled. So I'm failing. And therefore, I feel um, shame that I'm unable to do this. So that's breaking down. So in conclusion... Um, it's just strategies that we can look at. As I've said in the beginning, awareness is very important. So knowing that there's a language, there's a reason why you feel that same way. It's not who you are, but you're struggling with this because um, there is a framework and other people are going through the same. So awareness, understanding that this is a problem and it's not okay. Seeking help. So seeking people like us with coaches and therapists, um, seeking help, talking to your friends, um, opening up, not needing to feel that you can't be uh, vulnerable, seeking community. So seeking similar communities of, of black women who are going through the same so that it allows you to talk about the issues that you're going through. So you realize that it's not just you, 
you stop internalization internalizing these things because you realize actually that is not just me a lot of people go through that and then as you work through that prioritizing self-care and it doesn't mean prioritizing self-care means just starting small it might be just 10 minutes of journaling a day just taking a walk just taking it slowly to prioritize self-care, resting, things like those, say no. Other ways, it's just, it's just sometimes I'm picking up the phone. You don't have to always be there. You can't be the only source of help for your people. Not needing to be there immediately. You know, that's what I used to do when I get an SMS, I'm on it. When I get a phone call, I'm on it. And I'd find myself getting overwhelmed. So now I manage it. I manage myself. I tell myself, okay, I don't feel emotionally ready for this. So I'm not doing it. I'll come to it later when I feel emotionally ready. When there's a phone call, if I feel like, huh, I don't know what is coming with this phone call. So I'll call that person when I'm emotionally prepared myself for what is going to happen i don't have to attend to this immediately i can prioritize other things so that whole self-regulation and regulating how much you can give to others because what i realize is that what usually suffers are things that are important to you so understanding that if i give myself to this i am taking away from 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 others so identifying what your priorities are and, and giving from what is left, not, not, not all that you have. Uh, but that works as you continuously do the work of self of healing, because some of this is because I am not good enough. So, so for me to be good enough is for me to be helping everybody so that everybody can say, um, well done. Not finding that self-definition, self-acceptance, self, self, um, self um self-encouragement yeah so yeah so so a lot of working on on on, on healing work with a coach with a therapist finding communities that help journaling asking yourself questions i've seen that um journaling using questions is very powerful for me that works a lot for me um tony robinson i'm not a total fan of tony robinson but he said something about which i thought was very powerful always remember that says when you ask powerful questions you get powerful results so i use questions a lot when i journal and i believe that is a catalyst for a lot of change in my life and then the final one is cut yourself some slack i'm sorry about the typo as well so give yourself a break yeah you don't have to be perfect it's okay to to not be perfect sometimes um just an invitation to join us join our facebook community black women in the workplace there's a free book that i'm providing as well i'm going to put a link to the link tree in the video we have a coaching program, Reimagine the Next Stage of Your Career, that helps Black women position themselves for leadership positions in the workplace and also manage their emotions. I also do private one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. And finally, just thanks again to SlideScore for a beautiful slide deck. Thank you very much.